0: Let's do that. Let's jump. You feel good.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. okay.
1: Bow, 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 uh-huh. bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Welcome to Tear Gas and Gumdrops, the podcast about the pain and sweetness of ministry and mission. My name is Chris Morton. I'm coming to you from Austin, Texas, along with my fellow podcaster,
0: uh, Kyle Sapp, coming to you from Sacramento, California. Hey, Chris. Hey, yeah. 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 Do you ever feel like we need middle initials when we introduce ourselves? <laughs>
1: there, there's there's the middle initial thing, and then there's like the two initial things. That's like yeah. a, a scholarly thing. So you okay, N.T. Wright is Tom. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, I think I actually have even heard him say in interviews that he just kind of did that because that's what you do in scholar world. Uh, yeah. But uh, so, what would you? I don't know what your middle name is.
0: Yeah, really? I guess I don't know what your middle name is. <laughs> We've known each other for a decade and we never thought. I mean, who uses their middle name anymore, yeah. to be completely honest?
1: What, so, uh, so Anyway,
0: my middle name is Eugene.
1: Okay. Kylie Sap. See, that would be hard because it, like yeah, it sounds
0: like you said Kylie. like Kylie. So you'd have to really like Kyle E Sap. Like you'd have to enunciate that E. I
1: don't know, man. Maybe you just go with the Eugene, just the full three names. Kyle,
0: kyle Eugene.
1: yeah it's strong
0: kyle eugene i don't
1: know if it's strong you're but... you're in your mid to late 30s now and yeah. it's like a it, it could be a way oh of presenting... God, i'm 33 <laughs> oh like jesus um that's <laughs> careful that <might> get... <laughs> not for long um yeah uh i guess i'm the one in his mid to late 30s so that's funny um yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, you're... <laughs> i'm older uh david christopher david so christopher d chris d i have thought christopher would be good but uh yeah no I like names
0: i like christopher david morton uh, yeah cd morton c. D. c morton would be great yeah that's a good that's a good one all right anyway this is all <laughs> getting edited out i'm sure we'll see
1: well hey um so christmas Christmas. <laughs> hey uh what's your what's your favorite thing and least favorite thing about christmas oh I'll start with start with uh, least
0: least gotta be christmas music oh
1: just all christmas, christmas music
0: pretty much the one christmas song that i like and um i, I don't know why i like it so much is the song good king Wenceslas." <laughs> Wenceslas. Maybe cuz I like it cuz it's so hard to pronounce. Uh okay. you know it's the it's the song that you hear um always done by a trumpet in the background of the Michaels that you're shopping at uh <laughs> that you don't know okay. the words to you pretty sure no one else does either uh but it's such a good song. But other than Good King Wenceslas, uh I hate Do you have a favorite thing? I do I, mean, I don't know. Um Maybe it's because I spent so many years like being super um, evangelical okay. in practice. I really, I really enjoy Advent mm-hmm. more than I enjoy Christmas. But I guess yeah. Advent and Christmas are kind of the same thing,
1: right? I mean, well, yeah, we could talk about yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, I've been yeah, talking yeah. about that um, when we get to uh, some stuff here in a second. That's yeah, so I that. I really
0: enjoy just kind of taking some time, and and again, this is probably because I just never did it for most of my life. That Christmas is always about right. like one day a year, right. and you know that's when you hear the birth of Jesus sermon. Um, yeah, uh, the I just really enjoy the the practice of thinking about what it means to wait. And what yeah. it means to be expectant, and what it means to say um, that Christ is coming, that Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 little mantra for four weeks out of the year, which is not is not a mantra that I only think about four weeks out of the year, um, but to to have that focus with my community, uh, mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. enjoy. I, I mean it's it's a small it's a small thing and i'll 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 own that um but it's a beautiful thing to me i really i really do love doing that even yeah. though uh, at my church we don't call it advent um
1: <laughs> yeah
0: that's that's not what's important
1: <laughs> well that's really good uh yeah and I'll just kind of transition with that you know we wanted to talk today just about a few things that we want our churches as like real life minister, pastor types, like we want them to understand about Christmas uh, because there are so many jumbled messages about what Christmas is. And is it about Santa or Jesus? And, um, and we won't go into details, but in my church background, Christmas was kind of a weird thing that we didn't know what to do with. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's this confusion all over the place. Um, And so today we just want to talk about a few really key things that we hope our churches can understand and we try to uh, get across about Christmas. So um, I want to just build on what you were just saying there about Advent. Um, And, you know, for those of uh, those listening who don't necessarily have a background uh, that kind of follows the liturgical year, Advent is the first season of the liturgical year, the four weeks that lead up to Christmas. And it is about waiting. It is about joining in uh, the story of the prophets of uh, Mary and Zechariah and uh, John the Baptist and those who uh, were waiting for the Messiah. Um, And so then that Christmas, uh, which is a season as well, starting on December 25th, Um, you know, by the time we get to Christmas, it's something that we long for because we've been marinating in our hopes and longings. And yeah, I'm with you. Like over the last few years of kind of trying to understand Advent, that it has become something I really want my uh, church to understand. The first guy who kind of told me about it, the way they had a little kid about a little younger than yours. Um, Mm -hmm. And they were coming up with some Uh, kind of rituals for their family and they were wrestling with as a lot of like families of real little kids do like how do you where where does santa fit in (laughs) what do you say about santa and he said you know we're gonna do santa but we're gonna focus on these advent rituals because we want our son to be more excited about the coming of Jesus and i think he meant that in an eschatological sense but and and in a christmas sense uh he's sure. like we want our son to be more excited about Jesus than he is about Santa Claus, the coming of Jesus than he is about the coming of Santa Claus. And I thought that just like sums up everything Advent's about is how can we, it, especially in America and people of privilege, you know, who have e- easiest lives, like no one's life is totally easy, but, you know, we're not like scraping. Um, it is, it, it does take a bit of a cognitive switch to think about, yeah, you know, there are a lot of things um, in this world, that aren't the way we want it to, and that's why we have hope in Jesus.
0: Yeah, and one thing that I particularly appreciate uh, um, is that, it, for me at least, it feels like it elevates the conversation out of the arguments about Jesus is the reason for the season, or you shouldn't have Christmas, or uh, it, it, and it it takes the focus. Uh, onto the the conversation that we should be having all year round, which is that Christ is coming.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, And, and, and it, and it asks us to reflect upon a, upon that idea uh, in a way that is not bright and happy.
1: It's not comfortable. Uh,
0: It's not, it's uncomfortable. And, 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 and I think that in some ways, gives it more legitimacy to me because it asks us to move away from the overly sentimental practices of Christmas trees and, um, food and, and, and not that those things are bad. And in, in no way am I wanting to get rid of any of that. Um, but to just practice that Mm -hmm. within a, within a lens of what we're, what we're remembering, um, is not simply that Christ came but that Christ is coming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's good. So I guess if I could say it, like sum it up, what I want people to understand about that is like, we celebrate Christmas because we're still waiting on the fullness of the kingdom. Yeah. You know, we're I think it's still great. waiting. Um, yeah. And I really want my church to understand that. Now I know yeah. you're, uh, you're pretty much the full-time preacher now and this is kind of, i guess probably your first christmas to preach uh for the the weeks leading up to and following christmas i'd be curious like what's floated to the top for you as, as you've been preparing and getting ready for that what are the key things and key texts
0: that yeah you want your church uh, to understand so <laughs> um I feel like I've had the most depressing Christmas series <laughs> in, the, in the history of Christmas. Amazing. Because uh, as I have explored the text um, and and going through, uh, you know, I'm using I'm using the Advent text, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not not doing all of the the liturgy or the any of that stuff. We're just you know preaching from the story. Um, sure. And the thing that has kind of struck out to me is the judgment that is connected to the coming of Christ. Wow. That I yeah. that I don't often talk about uh, and that I I feel like I've never preached about in Christmas time um but that there is that there is a judgment that is coming that a winnowing is on its way. Yeah. But looking at that perspective uh, of judgment and I, I think I said this a few weeks ago when I really hit the point home. Uh, I said something like in my sermon. Uh, now, before you start thinking Kyle has finally become the fire and brimstone preacher you always wished he would be, <laughs> uh, trying to keep judgment within context of rescue, mm. that uh, and healing, that what judgment is 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 the is the uh, of good and evil and and the the. Mm-hmm. The deciphering of what goes where, and we find ourselves trapped within evil, and needing someone to come in and say, "This is unhealthy. This is what is breaking you. This is why you yeah. are flawed," and and bringing judgment into our lives so that we can find hope.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, and, and not just hope, but healing. Uh, and so that's that's been kind of what has really and and maybe i've not maybe i've overdone this maybe i haven't done this enough yet i don't know um but for me i've never thought about christmas in terms of the coming of
1: judgments mm. um, uh, now are you leaning like into john the baptist specifically or are you finding this in all of the texts
0: in all of the texts so uh we start this year because this is advent your a um uh, and the the stories uh are are odd to me um but within the within the Matthew narrative of this year uh you start we started with Matthew 24 where Jesus talks about uh the coming the destruction of the temple and the second thing and he uses that classic line uh that is abused by um the Rapture theologians, you know, two will be in a field, and uh, right, right, will be taken away, and and all that jazz. And so he, the he, kind of starts off with this, this unexpectancy of what's what's on its way, and he doesn't. It doesn't have a. It doesn't have a happy note to it. It it has, it, it's it's a it is a happy note, but it's also a a note of warning, um, and and just as just as when the world did not know when Jesus was coming the first time around, so too, will we not know when Jesus is coming the second time. The the passages go back to John uh, chapter in Matthew chapter three, where John really hits home the, the concept of the winnowing and the one who is to come who baptizes with fire and the Holy Spirit brings about purity. I mean, his, his, His declaration in Matthew 3 Mm -hmm. is good news, but it's it's all dependent upon the perspective by which you hold it. It's good news if 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 you're if you're if you're seeking righteousness, it's bad news if you're wicked. right. Um, And that's that's true even within the coming uh, of. uh, Like like it's good news for Jesus to be born unless you're a part of the world and unless you're part of the minions of darkness and Satan who are seeking to um stay rich and fat and and selfish. Um yeah. And then we went yeah. into last week was uh, uh Matthew eleven, where John doubts and uh I took them of those doubts, you know, it uh you know plug in the, the podcast also. Um those doubts are Representative of John's grief that he has he has lost something um, hmm. in uh, since we last saw him yeah. in Matthew, in Matthew three um, and so this week we'll be talking about Matthew one and Isaiah and all of that jazz so.
1: So I I preach about once a month and I had preached on, for for some reason I end up getting the John the Baptist text every year for some reason, but I love it. I love that guy. I
0: remember, I feel like, yeah, I remember you telling me that last year. Yeah, This is
1: like the fourth year in a row that it's just landed that way. But uh, (laughs) looking at that same text and the winnowing and, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, but this is, this was my one takeaway about some of that stuff that seems so harsh, so negative that I want my congregation to understand that image that John is using. Well, first off, who's he talking to? He's talking to specifically the religious leaders in that passage, he's like pivoted away from the crowds to the religious leaders. He's talking about winnowing and winnowing is when you are, uh, when you're, peeling little pieces, flecks of wood away, um, in order to create something, uh, whether it be a piece of art or a tool or whatever, it's the stuff that's in the way and is useless. Right. And the, you don't have any, because it's useless, you burn it. And, um, I think that is so helpful, especially, and maybe we'll talk about this some other time, but just especially because people are really allergic to conversations of judgment in church. And I think that it is actually really um, inspiring. (laughs) I'll go as far as saying inspiring to hear a religious leader say, you know, if we as religious leaders are not helping people, then we're useless. And we, and this is how, this is what happens to things that are useless. They're destroyed. And honestly, I've seen that in church world myself growing up. I've seen people, um, who uh, caused trouble, um, and they, uh, they might raise um, attention and a ruckus for a short amount of time, um, but eventually they'll be despised. Um, and they'll be re- if they're remembered at all, um, they're remembered as despised. And I think that's kind of what John is warning about, is that uh, there's just a basic functionality and usefulness uh, that God expects out of his leaders. And, yeah. um, and if we're not living up to that, we need to be aware, um, that, yeah. that Jesus Absolutely. is here to change things. Um, yeah. and there's a lot of hope in that, Um uh, not for the one who's, uh, useless, but for those of us who have been oppressed by religious systems.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point that you make. Um, about the uselessness uh, is the, the perspective that I took on that was in some ways we villainize the Pharisees. Uh, And when we, when we villainize particularly characters in the Bible, we, uh, we distance ourselves from them because everyone wants to see themselves as the hero in the story. And the Pharisees are more likely to be the people in our audience who have been in church their whole life right uh and and trying to trying to show that the pharisees were doing what they thought was best what they thought was righteous um and yet in the end their good intentions were doubly harmful to um to their people to to their students even And I think that's something that we need to keep in mind, uh, even as we go into Christmas, as depressing as this may sound, that we are that no one is above falling, you know, Mm. that 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 no one is above giving into sin, giving into temptation. Um, And so we need someone that constantly calls us back to that. We need a time every year that constantly calls us back to 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 that that deeper reality that we are all broken we are all flawed even those of us who have been at this this game for 20 years of life we're yeah. we're still we're, we're still being worked on
1: man i love that like i guess i would summarize it as like no one is above being part of the problem
0: yeah absolutely man, that's a really I good way put
1: it yeah well um you got one or two other things that just from from your teaching these four or five weeks that you really hope people walk away from this Christmas season.
0: Um, you know, so this may not be anything that I hope people walk away from, but the Isaiah seven passage and the way in which Matthew uses it
1: okay. has
0: always um, has always been mind boggling to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so, give us just... a little reminder of those two passages. Oh, right.
0: OK, so uh, Matthew chapter one verses 18 through 25 uh, is where Joseph hears that Mary is pregnant and he says, OK, well, I'm going to divorce her, but I'm not going to be like a jerk about it. I'll do it quietly so that she doesn't have to, you know, be given over to public shame and ruin her life because Joseph is a decent guy. Ish. <laughs> um and then the angel angel who some traditionally say is Gabriel, but no one really knows. Um, says, Hey, Joseph, don't do that. Uh, she's been pregnant, impregnated by the Holy spirit. Don't ask. It's a whole long story. <laughs> um, and you were to give him the name Jesus for, he will save everyone from their sins. And then Matthew takes this editorial side as he does like
1: the whole book as he is want, as he is
0: want, if you will. Um, to say um, this came to pass, so that the words of the prophet would be fulfilled, uh, and they will give him the name Emmanuel, which means uh, the vir- Well, I'm sorry, the virgin will be birthed to a son, and he will be given the name Emmanuel, which means God is with us.
1: Yeah. And so, uh,
0: it's a great, you know, it's a great little prophet, prophetic passage. Um, but but at first glance, it doesn't make any sense because Jesus is not Emmanuel. That Jesus. Yeshua means God saves. Emmanuel means God with us. And yeah. so it's like uh, I don't think Matthew actually understands how words work. <laughs> um, and then you go so so if you're a good good Bible student, you would then go to Isaiah and say, okay, so like what's the context? Yeah, well, the context, which uh, it, it, it kind of doubly confuses me really. Uh, at first, um, the context is Isaiah chapter seven. It's a and in text. it, it it actually it's a beautiful text, having studied it more this week. Um, so, Isaiah chapter seven, we start off with uh, the king of Assyria and the king of Israel, because at this time uh, the northern kingdom and southern kingdom have been split for quite some time. Uh, the king of Israel, the northern kingdom, and the king of Assyria team up against uh, the southern kingdom, Judah. And has who uh, his father was Jotham, I think, and Jotham was a horrible king, like most kings of that day. Um, he's afraid, and uh, he's he's not the best king in the world, as I just mentioned. And so God sends Isaiah to him, and he sends his son uh, Shear Yeshub, whose name means a remnant uh, will remain, or something like that. And basically, in this first. Introduction, you know this first get together. Isaiah says uh, these kings are not that big of a deal. Have faith. Um, how, how it's important for you to have faith. He calls them smoldering stumps, and, and so through the prophets and through the son uh, Remen Shall Remain, um, we see that God is trying to inspire faith in Ahaz. Ahaz, being Ahaz, does not. Give in to that, um, and so he continues to doubt. And so there's this other conversation, and the Lord says, "Okay, well, ask for a sign, and I'll give you a sign." And Ahaz pulls as uh, pulls the false, false modesty card. He's <laughs> like, "I would, I would never test the Lord." Blah blah blah. It's like, "Yeah, you should have said that like three chapters ago, bro." Uh, and and God, uh, kind of ambivalently, I guess, is like. Well, I'm going to give you a sign anyway, you idiot. It's in the Hebrew. Um, And so then he says uh, a virgin will give birth to a son. She will give his name Emmanuel. Um, Before he is able to eat curds and honey, or when he's able to eat curds and honey, he will be able to refuse evil and choose good. Um, Before he is able to... Refuse evil and do good. Something else will happen. I can't remember the the passage um, off the top of my head. But he makes this this promise where essentially Isaiah says to Ahaz, this child is going to be born. He will be given the name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So God is still with his people. Before this child is able to eat curds, uh, uh, basically before this child is able to eat curds and honey, so that's around toddler age,
1: yeah, these well, he's still
0: kings, on milk. Right. Uh well right, but he's a little older cuz you can't just give newborns honey. Right. Um these two kings that you are so afraid of will be destroyed. So so within a year. But then the latter part that I skipped on the prophecy cuz I just can't remember it is a warning to Ahaz that a time is going to come in Judah's life That has been like nothing they've ever seen since the days uh, of Ephraim and and the rebellion where the Assyrian king is coming. And so it's this this kind of double promise of hope and judgment that you will be rescued. But the king of Assyria is going to come and some bad things uh, as well. And all of this is kind of fleshed out more in Isaiah chapter eight. It's really cool. And so. When Matthew, in his post-resurrection eyes, is hearing about, or or researching, whatever, uh, the story of Jesus' birth, he sees a couple of things. Number one, um, he sees Jesus as the fulfillment of this hope of God being with us, that, that he is the fulfillment of even the name Emmanuel. But he is uh, that then and God with us is that is the inclusio of Matthew, where um, we get it introduced. Inclusio is a, a topic that's kind of shaping the whole book. We get it here in Matthew chapter one, and then it comes to a close in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, and lo, I will be with you always. And so it's just kind of God. Oh, among yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, God with us. What is what is God like? See Jesus. God will always be with us. So so he sees that. But he also sees Jesus as uh, as a child, uh, as a as a in the likeness of the Isaiah child. It, 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 in other words, um, he is also a child who is born bringing hope and judgment. And the way Matthew understands fulfillment, it seems to me, is not that Isaiah was thinking about Jesus when he made the initial. Uh, Prophecy, but rather that Jesus's story right. is a fuller understanding of Isaiah's words, uh, and and that what Isaiah does, what Matthew does throughout his gospel is he uses he's retracing Jesus's life as a recreation of Israel's story. Um, mm-hmm. And I just uh, I was like, oh, this is so cool! Like you get and you got a lot of good stuff there. Now maybe my sermon's not going to be all that great about it, but. Um, <laughs> You got some really good stuff there about God always being with us and even the presence of God is this mixture of tension between hope and judgment. Yeah.
1: Um
0: that has been kind of the the maybe undistinguished theme of everything that I've preached for the last 3 weeks. Um but so anyway, so so that's kind of where I'm at. I think that's
1: I mean there's a lot there. There's a mm-hmm. lot there. Um and it actually it actually does kind of bring to, like, I have one big takeaway that's like my Christmas takeaway has been every year for the last few years. Um, and it really ties in to all of that that you're just talking about. Um, but I wonder, like, I know you're talking about the tension there. Uh-huh. But if you remember, like, we were talking about um, John the Baptist. Right. And when John is criticizing the religious leaders, that that sucks for them. Yeah. There's a lot of good news. That's a lot of good news to the rest of the crowd who yeah. were living under the the tax system that was like jumbled together between uh church and state. Uh, right, that right. were living under the uh just the Myriad of extra laws um, mm-hmm. and that that were impressed on them by their religious leaders and so when um so God with us, like your point in, is that like there is both judgment and joy in that God with us, but I almost wonder too, like to some audiences that there's joy in that judgment, all right. There's freedom. <laughs> there's a release of the captive because it is sometimes it is these systems mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that are causing that. And so I like here here's my big takeaway. And um I I came across this uh years ago, first time I read um A Generous Orthodoxy by Brian McLaren. And like I know, a lot of people think Brian jumped the jumped the shark or whatever. Um, but learn from everyone you can. Um, to, you know, take take the stuff that's good. Uh, Brian talks about learning about Christmas from the Orthodox Church, from the Greek Orthodox Church, and how in um, their year and their theology and their, but also in their liturgical year. Christmas was the big deal was the real center of things Um, because in this view as amazing as the crucifixion and the resurrection is that is possible because God chose to be incarnate that God Mm. chose to be with us you know God with us is what we celebrate all year long um, and Christmas brings that back to b- brings us back to that. Um and so I think that like the reason um you <laughs> so so yeah, I think Matthew is um making some cool historical references, but I also think he just liked the word Emmanuel. <laughs> <laughs> um and because I think that uh that's his deepest point in all of this is that God is with us. And sometimes that is a, a, a thing of judgment. You know, some of us should yeah. be afraid of God with us. Um, and sometimes that is a thing of joy. And when you look at uh, the audience that, that, uh, that is, makes up the Christmas story, right? Um right. Joseph and Mary, uh, Elizabeth and Zachariah. These are poor, struggling people in an oppressed system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, God with us, and this this story of mirac- that that Matthew is pulling from uh, of God's what did you call it His judgment and uh, you know miraculous joy uh, that there there's a lot to that. I just I want people to know that Christmas is about the fact that God is with us. It's not just about all the little stories, right? It's not about the angels and the the sheep and the king and the kings and the camels. Right. Like all of that, all of that functions to bring light to Emmanuel, God yeah. with us, God with us. And, and part, I was,
0: was going to say, um, you know, the, the next character that Matthew meets or that we meet through Matthew is Herod who has a mm-hmm. remarkably different interaction and in response to the coming of Jesus that Joseph has. Right. That Joseph meets with obedience, uh, Herod meets with, you know, Herodness. And <laughs> I was thinking about how as you were talking, how how timely that is for right now as we have so many people who are wrestling with darkness in our culture because of who our new president is Mm -hmm. and the fear uh that is associated uh with with whatever the political climate is going to become and how god herod was king when jesus was born and how there was a lot of fear there was a lot of trepidation Mm -hmm. and yet god was still with the people right and and just as god was still with the people even under the rule of ahaz um that how how remarkable for us that our setting right now is with the president who may be very Herod-like. Um, and yet the, the good news is that God is still here among us. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll that's, th- a
0: good, that's cool. Thanks for that connection.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll throw this off and maybe this is a good place to wrap things up. But um, when you look at the two ladies in the Christmas story, um, you see like the global and the personal aspect of Emmanuel, right? When, um, when the angel appears to Zachariah and this old couple gets pregnant, yeah, there's a lot of cool things going on and it's a callback to Abraham and all that stuff. But very practically, you know, you have God intervening in the life of a person who had lived with shame because she couldn't do the one thing that her culture told, said gave her value. Right that's for elizabeth um god with us had this very personal um it 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 was giving her value it was giving her meaning and purpose and um redeeming her story in a way that she didn't think was possible but then you fast forward and mary shows up right And um, Elizabeth, you know, baby John jumps in the womb. Elizabeth blesses Mary. And what does Mary do? Mary proceeds to sing her heart out. And if you look at... that, that's what you do. That's what you do. And if you look at the words of Mary's song, if you look at the Magnificat, it is a very clear political statement of how God is in the business of bringing down the high and empowering the low. For Elizabeth, you have this very personal experience of God with us. For Mary, you have this very broad political um, experience. And I think like, there's that's the beauty of incarnation to me um yeah. god with us um has uh has some really systemic i think it goes back to the isaiah story you're talking about right um mm-hmm. you know god with us does mean that like these political systems and ahaz and all the other things he was dealing with you know god with us me, means that we can trust and rely on him in the, the political upheaval, but it also yeah. means um, that he is aware of our own stories and redeeming our own stories yeah. um, and that we go through life and we, uh, we go through the rest of the liturgical year and we go through our life um, in light of incarnation in light yeah. of like what does it mean that God is here with us um, and th- I love that it's Jesus' name. You know, it's not his name, but it's his name. Because we always, yeah. whenever we, you know, there, there's a presentness that we must always think about when we're thinking about Jesus. Um, right. In those oh, yeah. situations of our own lives and the broader political sense.
0: Yeah. And it, and I appreciate that that focus on the presentness. God doesn't save from afar. God saves from within and among. Mm-hmm. And uh, that may be one of the biggest things for us to take away is that God is not distant. Yeah. And and that's why we worship, and that's why we sing, or and that's why we pray, and that's why we give to homeless people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and all of the other things that we do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, good man. It sounds like uh, it sounds like your congregation's in, in for a uh, rich rich time the last few. I guess we got two Sundays left here.
0: Yeah, I have no idea what I'm going to preach about <laughs> for Christmas, but... Uh,
1: uh, yeah, uh, good luck with that. Mm. What are you guys... Uh, you, what are you, your family, and your church doing to celebrate the holiday?
0: Um, So, let's see. Uh, I mean, we're just... Well, we're, not really cool. We're having church mm-hmm. uh, per usual, and then um, Aaron and I are coming home, and we have invited uh, one of our young singles, whose family is in like Tennessee, and she's going to come over and have Christmas lunch with us. And we invited our, um, we also invited our neighbor, our upstairs neighbor. They're oh, a young yeah. couple. And they're gonna come over for Christmas lunch, Nice. and uh, so yeah. So we're gonna have a nice, uh, a nice time, making new friends and encouraging people.
1: I love that, man. I love yeah. that. Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna hit the road, do something we've never done as a married couple in our one year of marriage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. Yeah, uh, we're going to uh, drive to Colorado from Austin to Denver, where my parents are. Okay. Um, our church is having a uh, lovely Christmas Eve gathering. I'm really sad to miss it um, because the chapel that we meet in is just gorgeous at sunset, and it's, it'll be great. Uh, it's one of my favorite things we do all year. But we're going to get in a car and drive to Colorado, and um, we'll see my family there. Um, I have a little niece Who's like at perfect Christmas age Uh, She's a little bit older than your guy Um, Okay So she's a toddler A lot of fun Um, And then uh, we'll spend a few days with them And then we're going to drive down and back via Santa Fe And uh, neither of us have ever been there So we'll do some New Mexico skiing And uh, spend a few days um, in a a Japanese spa there um, (laughs) in Santa Fe (laughs) and just take thumbs in thumbs. whatever yeah i don't know but i'd like man i'm so excited about a day off and a week off it'll be so yeah. good um, and then come back and uh, do do new years with the friends so christmas with the family a little uh, one-year anniversary trip and uh, new years with the friends pretty excited about it i'll be sad to uh, miss archer we're actually i don't know if you guys talked about this we're actually taking christmas sunday off uh, wow because we're doing christmas eve and that falls on a saturday this year um and it just seemed like that was enough uh, yeah
0: i think if we did a christmas eve thing that would probably that might be reality um Mm -hmm. There, there was conversation about should we just not have Christmas, uh, a Christmas service. It wasn't very long. I, I get all the reasons why you wouldn't, and and I don't judge any church that like is canceling their services. But for me, it feels, it feels really weird uh, to say that. And maybe this is a conversation we can have next time because there are multiple meanings to why we have Christmas. Like it's not just right. You know, Jesus is the reason for the season, but there are lots of reasons a lot of things that Jesus does anyway. Um, but it felt weird to me, uh, to not have a time where we come together and recognize totally a child. So I think if we, if we, you know, you guys doing Christmas Eve, we did a Christmas Eve thing. Then that might be something that I would push, but yeah. Yeah.
1: Now in years past, when Christmas Eve didn't fall on a Saturday, we've still done Sunday. Um, yeah. It was just a lot. And it also has to do with the size of our community and the age sure. of our community. A lot of our right. people will be out. And so, uh, you know, there was talk of, like, um, doing, like, home or small group liturgy or something like that. Um, yeah. And just realized, you know, there's only, like, you can only do so many things. Um, right. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, no judgment. There's no judgment on my part. <laughs> right, Let's just be you're, clear about anyone. You're, you're not cares. you're not whittling us off. Uh... No,
0: no, no, no. I'm not winnowing anyone who's like, yeah, we've got young families, Christmas, right. and all that. just ticket. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a thing that happens. I think every five years. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
1: Yeah. Well, good man. Good. Well, uh, Merry Christmas or a gloomy Advent and a merry gloomy. Christmas. <laughs> <Gloomy>. <laughs> I never know what to say. I need to find some like mainline friends to tell me what the proper Advent greeting is.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Gloomy Advent, uh, a, expectant Advent, ag- sir.
1: A pregnant ag- Advent, av- Advent, uh... A pregnant Advent to you. Too. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's hey, been Chris, good... yeah. Watch and all
0: our listeners uh, how they can get in contact mm-hmm. or support yes. or whatever?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, So, we would love it if you would uh, subscribe on iTunes, so you'll get the next episode as soon as it launches. Uh, We'd love it if you give us a review there. And uh, if we're not uh, connected on Facebook, go ahead and do that. Just search for us. uh, Tear gas is two words, by the way. Search for tear gas and gumdrops. Gumdrops is one word. um, On iTunes. And on Facebook, uh, give us a like there so we can stay in touch with you, and you'll uh, hear about our next uh, episode, which hopefully, if we can get ourselves together here, might, will be a New Year's episode as well mm. as soon as that comes out. So uh, all the holiday, all the holidaying this time around,
0: all the holidaying. We should also um, uh, for this season. We should do like the silly holidays that we don't think about. Like, we should have a Groundhog's Day holiday.
1: Yeah, Fog Uh, Day special.
0: How does the Lord uh, meet us in the shadows of our groundhogs? Is
1: that Lent? No, it won't. Uh, That's not Lent. Yeah. uh,
0: I mean, I guess Lent will be. Lent will be pretty close to starting
1: at that point. Yeah. Oh man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's like Christmas him the lord let, that let me be in the amazing. shadow of my
1: grandfather um, be like uh the long halloween um uh, mm. do you ever read the long halloween oh yeah yeah so a different batman comic for each holiday of the year so yeah good oh, so good all right man well i'm gonna stop recording here but yeah uh,